there's too much distractions in today's world, right? Social media, Instagram, this and that, news, boom, 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 all that. And we're all distracted on the what's most important thing is protecting yourself and your family by making more money because that's going to give you opportunities. When changes happen, when things go upside down, money will help you. Money will help you. And thinking now today, and I said, I said earlier, the time is now. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow becomes tomorrow. Yeah. And then tomorrow becomes next week, one month, one year. And you never do it. The three, enemies, the three enemies to building wealth, inflation, taxation, and procrastination. Hey. Elevate. All right, all right. Elevate. Welcome family. Family. I think the last time we were we were actually shooting, we were in Miami, man. So. A little cooler down here. It's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So we're fresh off the boat. I'm back in L.A. for a very special episode. Uh, I have one of my mentors here up in the office, Andy Choi, who's a, a real estate investor. He's a real estate entrepreneur. He's all over Los Angeles, hosts his meetups left and right. He just had one last week on how to turn a single family to a multifamily. So it just kind of gives you an idea of the kind of guests that he is and the kind of guests that we've been bringing on here at Educate and Elevate. Uh, special announcement, though, Pablo. You, you man, get, special. I know you guys. You guys already know, up. man. You guys know exactly what we've been working on all year long. You hear it on every podcast. Get your tickets to World Shakers. World Shakers coming up. By the time this gets released, this 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 episode is probably getting released the week of World Shakers. So we're a couple days away from World Shakers. Get your tickets. Links in the bio. All that good stuff. And then, I know. Uh, I know. Troy has has a uh, an event coming up as well, right? Yes. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. That sounds great. World Shakers. Wow. World like, Shakers man, Conference. I want to be there. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. We're also having a workshop uh, in November on uh, how to run a real estate company. Like, how do you get start to invest? How do you analyze deals? How do you fund deals? Right. How do you how do how do you like manage projects? How do you sell it? How do you do taxes? You know, so pretty much everything that I've been perfecting the craft the last eight years. I'm going to do a two-day workshop in November. Um, so if you, anyone's interested, you know, definitely want to see you guys there. It's all about giving back. It's all about, like, in a sense, in a good way, like geeking out, nerding out on how to be successful, how to be successful in real estate investing. So if that's something you want to do, um, you know, come join us. There you go. Massive. And we'll definitely put a, put the link on our, on our things as well and where people could reach out to you, Andy. But, Andy, bro, even these exactly what you just said, people are like, dang, like, who is this guy, right? For people who don't know you, like, who, who are you? How'd you get started in terms of, like, where you're at now to where you were before? Yeah, for sure. I want to share that I am kind of known the as the Korean Latino real estate investor. Hey, <laughs> hey. okay. Oh. All right. Let's go. <laughs> uh, because like I like that, bro. 80% of the people that I work with in real estate are Latinos. Like, you guys are connected. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I love Los the, Angeles, man. I love the community, you know, party. All the fun stuff. Networking. Hey. I call it networking, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Intentful <laughs> networking, right? And uh, just the food is amazing. And uh, I'm officially uh, adopted myself to the Latino culture. Welcome to the community, bro. Thank you. Welcome, because bro. Welcome. when I'm hungover, the cheap, the secret is micheladas and ceviche. <laughs> that, that, will cure, that will cure any hungover life. I'm a happy that camper. Is facts. So that is facts. Yeah, but uh, for people that don't know me... Um, you know, my name is Andy Choi. I'm a real estate investor, developer, general contractor here in Southern California. I grew up here um, in 
South Bay in Torrance. Um, Torrance in the house. Yeah, yeah, South Bay. South Bay. Yeah, you used to live there, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very nice city. Yeah, um, miss the spot. Quiet place, great suburb. And um, yeah, my parents uh, immigrated here from Korea I- back in the like late 80s, right? Before that, uh, I, f- I just saw my grandpa last uh, Sunday for Labor Day. And I asked my grandpa, like, yo, like, when did you come here? He's like, oh, I came here in 1981. I'm like, by yourself? He's like, yeah, by yourself. I'm like, how old were you? He's like, I was about like 45 at the time. I'm like, you were 45 and you came to a new country, like, all on your own? He's like, yeah, dude, I did it for, like, the family, you know, Mm. for you guys to have, like, a better opportunity to live, you know, because, like, in the 80s, like, you know, things were different out there in Korea, right? So... I gave respect to my grandpa. I was just like, man, thank you. Like, I don't think, I don't know if anyone in the family has thanked you and yeah. acknowledged you for making that commitment, you know, taking a chance, like coming to a country where like you don't know anything. So shout out to my grandpa for doing that. Um, he's the G, you know? That's, That's right. what's up, That's man. Top like G. That's top G. Right think there. about it. We didn't have internet back then. So it's yeah. like, you, you, there's no technology. I mean, there was technology, but it's not like today, 2023, where you could just like Google something or you can like YouTube something and like learn. You know, like, so I give more respect to my grandpa for doing that with less resources, right? Yeah. And he came, he worked hard, boom, 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 all that. And then he saved enough money to bring my grandma and then bring my dad, bring my aunts, right? And then my dad got married and then, you know, my mom came and then they had me here. And then I grew up here. I grew up here, you know, suburb. Um, I was never really good in school, right? That wasn't like, uh, let me take that back. I was not good in school. I just didn't have an interest in school because I noticed that as I'm older, I'm good at things that I'm interested in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at things I'm not interested in. So right. studying was a thing that I wasn't interested in. Okay, I like to have fun and do everything else, um, but studying, just sitting down and studying wasn't a thing for me personally. doesn't mean that I can't study because obviously I had to learn a lot of things to get to where I am today, which I'm going to share. But I just realized I didn't just have an interest of just sitting down and just like learning this and that. One thing I was really good in math, like math was like breathing for me for some reason. Mm. So... That was a good skill set to have because, you know, we do have to do a lot of math um, to create, um, to invest into real estate and make sound decisions. Um, But growing up, uh, my parents worked really hard. Uh, We were like living in a one bedroom apartment in Gardena, you know, back then when it wasn't as nice as it is today. And we're just really hardworking people. Like my parents are people that I remember they just like sacrifice you know, work 12 hours, save money, you know, very frugal, you know, like go to Costco, Sam's Club back in the day, like just anything to save money and make extra money and like just give it back to me and my sister, you know? So I just was like really exposed to that culture of like hard work, hard work, work ethic. And I think that's why maybe I resonate a lot with the Latinos because like a lot of my Latino friends, like you know, their parents worked hard, the dad worked hard, you know, they were kind of tough. Mm-hmm. My dad was like kind of like stone cold a little bit. You know, he was there, but he really wasn't really there mm-hmm. emotionally. Like he didn't really like play catch with me or anything like that. But he did what he did. I love him. He did what he had to do. He had to provide. He had to go make money. He had to work. So I get it. As I'm older, I get it. So, you know, just connecting with a lot of my Latino friends, like, oh, there's a lot of com- commonality. So maybe like, you know, I feel like I, I resonate with that a little bit. Massive, yeah. Bro, and, yeah, I, and I, I love that you talk about the upbringing, man, because <clears throat> that's exactly like our market, right? That's exactly who we're trying to cater to is that we're, we started Educate and Elevate with the, the goal of educating and elevating mm. 
when it comes to leadership, entrepreneurship, finance, core values to the first generation, right? Our parents are all from another country, mm-hmm. but they migrated so here. Unique. They migrated here with that same purpose, mm-hmm. right? To want better for generations to come, to build that legacy, right? And it's up to guys like you, Armando, and myself, and the millions and millions of other first-generation Latino or foreign, mm. uh, you know, Americans, first-generation Americans here in the U.S. that we have the opportunity, right? And I tell my team all the time is having the opportunity is the opportunity. And what you've done, right, just by that little bit that you've seen and what Armando has told me is you've taken that opportunity, man, and you're running with it. Yeah, and I could touch on that a little bit. Like, because I seen my parents, like, work and live like that, Yo, like, I never really said this in public, but, like, I remember my mom, dude, she would wear the same underwear every day, and she would wash it in the sink, bro, <laughs> and, like, dry and blow dry it with the hair dryer because, like, she didn't want to spend, like, money on laundry and detergent. Like, she was, like, that kind of person. Mm. So I'm, like, and I remember that, and then I'm feeling emotions saying that right now. Like, I feel tingly saying that. And I'm, like, if I don't maximize my day, maximize my opportunity, maximize my life, Right, be a leader. Don't be a little, you know, like don't be a complainer. Don't be a victim to my life and my circumstances. Like t- be an owner and an author of my life. Yeah. If I don't live it to the top, top ten, like ten exit, I feel like I failed my parents. I mm. feel I feel like I fail my last name dynasty, the legacy. Mm. If I'm lazy, and I used to be. I had bad habits in the past. Lazy, afraid anxiety, you know, fear of rejection, like, you know, talking to girls or getting the sale, you know, like, but what's important is after every failure is the action that we take after the failure. So after the failure, I can fold, you know, we can fold and not do anything, mm-hmm. or we can learn from that and persevere and persist, mm. right? You're never going to really, really fail. You're only going to fail the shots that you don't take, yeah. right? So, you know, kind of like mentioning that, my parents, like, you know, I really owe it to them because all the sacrifice they made. So for me, it's like I want to work hard. I want to succeed. I want to be giving back. I want them to be proud. And they are. They're very proud of everything that I've accomplished. And But, yeah, it wasn't easy, bro. Like, it wasn't easy growing up. It was tough, you know. I was kind of, in a sense, a minority, right? Um, South Bay, I mean, it's not that bad. If some people watching this, they're like, whoa. You know, some other co- you know state, there might be like well, I'm like that one Asian person, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that bad. But it was still I was still a minority, okay. Just to mm-hmm. be clear, in the '90s I was still a minority, okay. Um, but you know, definitely things are changing now. It's 2023 now, so definitely people are more open mindset and all this whole multicultural things I see is like more open. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got I did all that, and then like I started working at a very young age, right? At like 17, I was working at a bagel shop, uh, serving bagels at like six o'clock in the morning, I did not like that. That was, uh, like, it just, man, it was just, like, boring, and, like, I, I was getting paid, like, you at, the, at the time, I was getting paid, like, $6 an hour or something you like that. So it was, like, very low. The fashion industry, too, right? I did, yeah. I did, I did. But, like, working at the bagel industry, like, it was it was in Torrance, and then I needed a job, right? And I needed a job, so I got that job, right? And then I, and then I did really well. Like, it wasn't a problem. Like, serving bagels is not that complex to serve bagels. You, know? like, you can't get that wrong, right? <laughs> and and then, but then, like, the owner was like, uh, you you, you, you got to leave. Like, after a month. I worked for a month, and he's like, you got to leave. I'm like, why? He's like, this job is limiting you. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> he's like, 
you have a gift. You have a gift of talking. You have a gift of like, you know, getting things done. You being here is a crutch. And as much as that's going to hurt me in my business, but, you know, to find a replacement for you is not that complex, but you're capable of more. So that was a, I, I kind of hated him at the moment when he said that. I was like, oh, you're, you're, you're like kicking wow. me out. You're like abandoning me. But I realized that was the best thing he could have done for me. That's crazy. That's and then, awesome. And then from there, you know, I got a little bit in trouble and stuff like that. So, you know, I made some bad decisions where I needed to make money. Like I, I, I had a moment where I couldn't go to my, you know, family and tell them I lost all this money that I had, right? So because I didn't want to tell them that, I need to get like another job. So my friend was quitting his job at in the fashion district in downtown Los Angeles. And he's like, yo, you know, you want a job? I'm like, hell yeah, I need a job. You know I need a job. So like, yo, let me get it. So he's like, yeah, come through. It was uh, in downtown fashion district. Um, and then if anyone's been there, like it's it's like a whole nother world. Over oh, there. yeah. Like uh, Santiago. Oh, yeah. And it started over there and then moved all the way over. to. Like they San moved different Pedro. too, bro. Crazy. It's huge. Oh, yeah. Thousands of stores, manufacturing. You'd be surprised like what people we could make here in L.A. domestically made in America stuff. Like it's crazy. Like some sweatshop stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, T-shirts like boom, boom, boom. An amazing deal. So. I didn't know anything about it. And I went in there and I was just like, whoa, this is something new. It's different. I'm not selling bagels. This is the next level. So I got the job. I, I went to the interview. I got the job. You know, they started they started to pay me like $400 a week back then. And that was a lot of money for coming, making like $6 an hour to 400 a week. That was a lot. It was all cash too, right? And so, you know, I'm like 18 at this time. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm making like 1600 uh, a month. And the first week, my boss gives me a raise, 50 bucks, right? 450. I'm like, you're like, bro, I made it. I made yeah, it. I'm like, I don't really <laughs> Forget the baby. All this. At that age, I'm 18, you know, still trying to find myself in yeah. a sense, like who I am, what am I good at, you know? And I'm just like, dude, I got $50 raise. I didn't really make anything of it, but like now that I think about it now, and I'm really telling the story, like, damn, maybe I, I did have it. People back then Believed saw in something in me. You know, I, in the first week, I, reor I reorganized all their sales order. I brought in like all this sales from the American accounts because it was a lot of Korean speaking people in, in my company. So um, the boss saw like, man, I got I to keep this guy. So I, I did that for a while and then kind of fast forward. I, I, I worked there for like six months. I worked at another company in the fashion district um, doing manufacturing. So we would buy like textile, you know, we'll, we'll like get the blueprints. Like it's very interesting because making homes and making apparel the concept is the same, just the product is different. So in apparel, we would have blueprints. Like everything we're wearing, like every scene, there's cut, a blueprint. Cut and sew. Cut and sew, exactly. Yeah, I used to be in the apparel game. You did? Yeah. Oh, dude. Okay, so you know exactly about it. And then just people that are watching, they're like, what is the apparel business, right? No, it's a, like, that's a whole world, bro. Because like a lot of people <laughs> I talk to about apparel that don't know about apparel, they see like America's like, you know, runway or whatever, top designer. And they think it's like that. I'm like, no, that's not how the oh, apparel oh, and it, is. Oh, and it's cutthroat too. It's 180. It is very cutthroat. It, the the apparel game work. is very cutthroat. They don't show you that stuff on the TV. All the hard work, like me being dirty from moving all these boxes and fabric, that they don't show stuff like that. But yeah, it's like apparel is very similar to like making homes. Like you have the cut and sew. You got, you got I source the fabric. I get to get it. I send it to the subcontractor to get it uh, cut. And then I, you know, we sew it. We send it to subcontract for sewing. And then we do QC. We package it. We got to follow these like rules on how to fold it and put the barcode and all this. It's intense. And I think it's very challenging because when I get an order,
from a department store because that's what I did. We would ma manufacture for a big department for like Ross, TJ Maxx, you know, Marshalls, all these big bo big department companies, and they're like corporate. So they have like rules, like f 150 pages of rules that you have to follow. And every rule that we don't get right or we get wrong, it's a chargeback, like 500,000, 1,500. And you know, these corporate companies, like, you know, when my experience, they intentionally look for the errors. Because, you know, that's like they're trying to make money. I get it. I get it. They're trying to make money. So we have to really be disciplined. We have to be really detailed. And that's where I got a lot of my industrial business acumen, right? And in 2010, crazy shit, right? I don't know. I don't After know. Yeah, I, I don't know if we're supposed to curse here. No, so you can bro, it's I did so free game. Until now. It's free so game. good. I did so good till now. Not without saying one <laughs> So let's see how. Be fun. you, bro. We like authenticity. Oh, yeah. And uh, people know me. I, I, I'll, I'll say a lot of uh, inspirational words. Passion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, in 2016, no, excuse me, 2010, I win a car from a free raffle ticket. Okay, like, you I know those, like, red this. raffle tickets? With those like six or seven numbers, bro. They actually give cars away, dude. You actually won, bro. That's I won, bro. I always thought that that was just a data collecting like scam. Like me too, all the time. It's uh, like, bro. I've been seeing that car there for like a month. They they haven't <laughs> given it away. What's going on? I don't you know what won that car. <laughs> this is 2010, so I don't know things change. So you know, use your own discretion. Just because I said I'll go win a car, and you said I can win a car. Yeah, no. this was a sp specific event where um, I had a sports car, right? And then the dealer, the Tustin dealer. Um, rented out like an airbase and they did like track barbecue and all this like import girls all this it was like a full-on production like thousands of people thousands of cars like like fast and the furious type of thing right and at the end of the day they're doing prizes they're giving away like little items exhaust mufflers this and that intake boom 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 all that and then the last grand prize is like the car a fifty thousand dollar car and it's funny because like i didn't think i was gonna win it i'm just like Whatever, right? Mm. Whatever happens, happens. God is good. Thank you, life. I'm just like, just grateful. I'm not, I have no expectations, nothing. Just super humble. And the funny thing is like me and six of my friends came together. So our numbers are very, are consecutive. We're off by one number because we all checked in at the same time. and all got one raffle ticket. So my friends are going wild. Woo! Every number. Like, oh, woo! Like, I'm just <laughs> like, oh, whatever. Like, I'm not expecting nothing. <laughs> so just chill. And you know how the world works? Like when you don't care, things happen. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you know, when I like don't give so much energy to that one thing that I'm so fixated and possessed over, whatever, whatever. And then like I just let go and then it happens. Yeah. It, I it was like one of those experiences. So that's that's, that's a full surrender. Surrender. When you surrender completely. That's when things Ooh. just. The universe opens. Like the higher purpose or something opens. And I surrendered. I wasn't expecting anything. I was just really grateful and just appreciative of where I'm at. And I win the car. <laughs> I win the car. And I sell it because I don't need to have two of the same car, right? I sell it. I get like, it was a $50,000 car. I got like 32000 for it. And um, I had some money saved. And and my ex-girlfriend at the time, she's a designer, FITM. She went to uh, oh fashion yeah. design school in downtown LA. And she was like, yo, why don't you start your own like apparel business? Because at the time, I was doing orders for clients as a freelancer. So, you know, some... E-commerce was popping off in 2010. Like, e-commerce was the thing, right? The dot-com thing. So I had a few, like, two clients. Um, I was just doing, like, 
500 piece orders, you know, and they make like three, five, six dollars per piece profit. So I was doing good. Like I didn't really need a job. I was like, you know, kind of cool. Comfortable good cash like business. Good cash business, super low overhead. And my, my ex-girlfriend at the time, she's like, yo, why don't you like, you want this car, you know, you got this money. You're just doing the side hustle. You got some extra money. Like, why don't you like start your own business? Like she planted the seed, you know, like that movie in Inception. <laughs> she planted <laughs> the seed and the seed grew, right? I was like, that's a great idea. But the crazy <laughs> thing is, like, I have business experience in terms as an employee, mm. right? But not as a business owner. I didn't go to no Harvard school or business management, stuff like that. Like, I learned all this firsthand experience, you know? And and then I would talk to my friends that go to college and, like, all these, like, amazing schools. And they're showing me these, like, econ books and, you know, these books that they're le- reading and learning about at Harvard and stuff like that. And I'm like, back of my mind, I'm like, dang, I figured that out on my own. <laughs> like, and I felt a little Realized. proud, like, oh, wow, what you're I'm, learning. I'm like, onto something, I already, I already kind of figured it out on my own. Like, you know, so I thought that was a good affirmation on my side. Like, oh, I didn't go pay 200000 for school. But how, you know, how old were you right here when you, when you, like, at this point in your life? At the time, I am 22 years old because I remember Drake came out with the song at the time. I'm 22, going through a midlife crisis. I was like, Drake, I resonate with you. Uh, so I was 22, 2010. That's when Drake that's started to come that, out. That's right? album. That's that's, uh, that's Armando's favorite album. Is it really? Yeah. Take, take care album. Take care album. Take care album. Right. He knows yeah. like every song like yeah, we gotta like have the back to of his hand. Listen to it after this. Yeah. Well, I get hyped that. up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. You know, winning winning Wednesday. But <laughs> midlife crisis. So you you do you, do you have that crisis where you split up a careers? Because so because right now you're it looks like you're about to take off in the apparel game. Yeah, no, it, w- it was confusing because, like, okay, I was always driven. I am driven. I am always been driven. I just remember just being at a young age, like, I knew I'm meant for doing something more and better and different, you know? Like, just a normal thing, just, you know, being a wa- getting a wage job. Like, that didn't fulfill me, and, like, that, that didn't really get me excited. And I knew always, deep down in my soul, my heart, like, I knew I'm going to do something great. I just didn't know what I was at a such a young age, but I just knew. And then... I started the business. Um, I told my clients, hey, I'm going full full throttle, so please support me. So they just like doubled and tripled the orders. So I was doing really good. One man show, right? I didn't ha- I didn't need a lot of overhead, I didn't need a lot of manpower. I signed the lease. The first time I signed the lease, um, paid two thousand dollars a month. And I was raking like thirty grand a month profit just just out of those two customers mm. nonstop. And like I was a good manager at the time, right? Because that's what my experience was. I did sales, I did apparel sales, and then I got into, you know, project management, like, you know, making clothes and stuff like that. So I realized I'm really good at management, but what I lacked was business acumen. And I'm 22, okay? And internet, this is a time where it was like MySpace, okay? This is not on Facebook, that's no a YouTube. Good, that's a good way to okay. kind of put people and uh, visualize the timeline. Yeah, like and MySpace was popping. This is going on. And I just want to be clear because some of you guys like, what, what, why did you do that? I mean, the best thing I could have done is go to a library and read books. Okay, and then again, I'm I wasn't a really a reader back then. Okay, in 22, I wasn't a reader. I was more active, right? And just I had to learn the business inside and out, like accounting. Man, I hated accounting, like QuickBooks. Filing tax returns, right? Like I did, I hated this. Like this is something I hated. I was really good at sales and production, and I just stuck to it. And I remember my, you know, my advisors at the time 
you know, my mom, she works at a bank, so she would help me with the finances at the time. And she would tell me, like, almost every week, like, yo, you got to get on this accounting, and you got to get your books in order, and you got to, like, file your tax returns on time and well. I'm just like, yo, like, I can't do it. I don't have the time. Boom, boom, boom. Excuses. You know, the business is doing well. We're making money. So what's the point? Bro, I feel like you're describing me <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, bro. <laughs> yeah. We have, yeah, just that's crazy. Yeah, so see, I had to learn it the hard way because, like, having it's optics. It's just Andy's incredible, man. Smart that's guy. amazing. You know, going <laughs> back, I didn't understand the value that my elders were trying to teach me, right? Yeah. I'm the type of guy, like, I have to go learn it myself. I had to hit the, ro- you know, rock bottom, figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. A little bit stubborn in the aspect. I learned how to grow from that, you know, uh, you know, living a few decades, three decades now, you know, I learned to be better at that, be open-minded, and getting advice from the right people, because some people could give me the wrong advice, and it's my job to filter that out. But, you know, I learned it all. Long story short, I had to learn it all. Biggest thing I had to overcome was the employee mindset, because I was so conditioned for years that is a big one. as an employee mindset, just like, go do what I need to do, in a sense, the minimum, collect my money and I'm good. I don't need to think about operations. I don't need to think about scaling the business. I don't need to think about learning new skills like QuickBooks, you know, data entry, um, running P&Ls and balance sheets and, you know, doing tax return depreciations and all that. Like, I, I didn't, I, like as an employee, when I was an employee, I was like, I didn't need to do that. Yeah. There's no motive. Yeah, we just got, we just got yeah. back from the yeah. Vault Conference with Patrick oh and David, yeah, I love Patrick. right? So we were out in Miami and one of the many segments that he talked about was being having a sales mindset versus having a CEO mindset, wow. right? When we're in sales, maybe you're in real estate sales, insurance sales, apparel sales, whatever it is, right? Self-employed, right? You're just worried about yourself. Mm. And you could be a really good sales mindseted entrepreneur yeah. where you're just like yourself, right? One man shop, raking in 30 grand a month. But the minute you step away from your business, now what? Mm. Right versus a CEO mindset, you're worried about growing leadership, systems, operations. Right. You have a lot of different C level executives. You have a CFO, you have an accountant, you have an operations person, you have a marketing team, right? My question to you is you know, now that you're in real estate, right? You're in the world of real estate. Maybe for people that are in the real estate community. What's the best piece of advice that you could give to them of switching their mindset from being a sales-driven type of entrepreneur to more of a structured CEO mindseted yeah. person? Yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I just want to, yeah, to throw it out there, it just depends on what people want, right? If the whole solopreneur thing works for you, okay, then keep doing that. Uh, maybe that fits your box. I don't know what people want and why they want it. But you could be making a hundred, two, three hundred thousand, being a solarpreneur or independent contractor, whatever, a freelancer, and making money. And yeah, you're gonna have to run the whole business on your own. Just to be clear, you are trading time for money, and I think that's what you're yeah. the higher level of right. what you what you're getting at. And the other side, the CEO mindset, is you're actually building a company with systems and process so that it's automated and it can work and make money while you sleep and you don't even have to be there, right? But that's not for everyone because in order to do that, you got to have certain skill sets. You can have the right people on the right team. 
I mean, we could talk. I could talk about like a whole day about how to do that, but right. You that's know. kind of the uh, the operator mindset that you talk about, right? Like on your separate, probably November, you talk about the courses, but being a CEO, even for PBD that we learned about, was the operations, the SOPs, mm. running a lot of those systems that being a solopreneur you really don't do because you're always kind of busy, busy, busy going. You know, for for people who go to your events, bro, like wh what are the biggest takeaways that that they get and they're all and they see how you run your business, how you run mm. your system? Yeah, it's so like you know, being in the apparel business and learning on how to become an an owner, not an employee, right? I don't, I work for my company, right? But I own the business. You know, there's a difference in the distinction. Being owner as a CEO, I'm still at service. Just to be clear, I'm always serving my people. Because my people bring me the results. Yeah. It's not dictatorship, like, you know, raising the standards, you know, how can we do better, holding people accountable, right? Nonstop, every day, accountability captain. Let's just put it that way. And just over time, doing this for real estate, I got into 2016, right? Mm. So from, you know, apparel business from 2010, and I kept the apparel business for like till 2018. And I sold it off to my cousin so he could run it. And then I went full-time into real estate in 2016, right? So just, I was I have always been in this operational realm. And I noticed that in, the in, in real estate, there's a lot of visionaries, okay? The visionaries to operators outweigh, I don't know, I'm just going to throw Very in an intuitional one. guess, like five to one. Mm. Because the idea of real estate investing is like, yeah, buy a property, flip it, make money. Like everyone wants that vision. Mm -hmm. But I don't see too many people talking about what it takes to turn that vision to reality. You know, the idea is only good as execution. You know, we had electric cars long time ago before Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. The technology was available, right? But the person maybe wasn't the right timing and resources, but the person couldn't execute that, right? So, and... Just over time, I just got really good at operations. So, you know, some of the meetups that I do is really focused on real estate operations. You know, how to find your deal, how to analyze deals, how to get funding, how to do project management, how do you hire architects, contractors, all these things you need to make a good investment, right? And I hear this a lot from a lot of gurus and gurus or whatever you want to call it out there. They always say, oh, you make money in real estate in the buy, right? That you makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Right? Not you buy low, you buy low, you'll sell high. Right. Business 101, right? Mm -hmm. But then what they don't put in there is you make money on the buy, but you get the money, you actually get the money on the execution, right? Um, so Explain the execution because everyone understands that, right? They say you, you make your, you're making money on the buy. But you're saying you make the money on the execution. Yeah. I mean, look, when I was starting off in real estate and just in my business career, like there was great ideas and but we just weren't able to execute on time. Most of the reasons was that we didn't have the experience. We didn't have the knowledge. We would get change orders. Uh, we didn't have experience in terms of hiring the right people, having the right systems in place. Right. Um, or even how to make decisions quickly. OK, something bad happened. Right. How do we deal with that? Like, you know, sometimes big bad news comes, you know, I used to avoid those problems. You know, back in the day, I would avoid this problem and those problems would get bigger. So right? a lot, you w would you say that a lot of your systems and procedures, your SOPs are really based on personal experience from failures that you've had in the past? Exactly. Exactly. 
And over time, you know, I was like that guy would drive the company, you know, make the decisions and let's go, let's go, let's, you know, peel the onion, see what's going to work and not work and let's take action, take action, big driver. But I realized over time, that's really exhausting for one person to do all that. So now we made it a culture to one of the culture, the top first culture is speed is king. That's number one. Because like nothing kills anything but time and like laziness and not being productive, like putting it to the corner or making excuses to do it later. I mean, the moment is now. We only live in the present. Mm. We have references of the past. We have ideas of the future, which is potential. But the really the truth is we live in the present now. So it's all about taking action. I, I have a question on, on your story that you just said. So I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in your career in real estate, you were a driver pushing, pushing the deals, trying to go as fast as possible. Was there a point, and if there was, like, can you talk about that point where you hit that plateau and you realize, you know what, I'm driving myself crazy. I actually need to take a step back and actually put out the operations, put out the mm. systems to mm. help me, yeah. you know, get out of that role. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 2016, I bought my first condo. Um, and then I put about, like, $15,000 into that. And then we finished it, and th we finished the construction in 30 days, and then we flipped it, made like 30,000 in three months. And once I had that proof of concept, I'm like, oh wow, I can do this, right? Like mm, it's real. Because before then, I learned it. I went to courses, workshop, mentors, hired you know six-figure coaches and stuff like that to learn. But learning it and actually doing it, in my opinion, is two different things. Having the concept and actually executing, you know, knowledge. People say it's power in my in my reality. Knowledge is only potential power. Yeah. Right? Execution Tony and Robbins. delivering is the true power, right? You I mean, I, I mean, what what's the point of reading books if you're not gonna implement it? That's a what's fact. the point of going to these courses, seminars, thousands of dollars and spend, you know, days and you're not gonna implement it? You might as well not go. You might as well spend that time in something else that could be yep. more fulfilling. So um I, I flipped that condo and I had, now I know it's real because before then I was just like, you know, I knew it's possible, but now it is really possible. I have that experience. So I scaled really fast, right? I bought the next property, which was like 600,000. So it by the way, this condo was $240,000 purchase price. And I mm -hmm. jumped to the next purchase price of 600,000. So that was, a, that was a big, big jump, jump. three yeah. times, three X, right? It was right here in LA in Glass Hill Park, right? Um, and then I bought another property in Culver City, that one was a $1.2 million purchase price. Huge. Um, and that third property I bought was a blessing and a curse at the same time. So I get this property off market, right? My realtor brings it to me. I buy it off market. Um, the realtor represent me, so they make double commission. The seller gets to save money. They didn't want people to know, so it had to be off market. Like, they just didn't want the neighbors to know. You know, the mother passed away. They want to keep it super low-key, hush-hush. So I was like, no problem whatever you want. I just need to get at that number. They said, no problem. Okay. So win-win, right? <clears throat> so I close on this property, but the crazy thing is like, I needed $240,000 to close escrow. That's like the down payment, the insurance. Your gap, is that your gap? The gap funding for the hard money lender and stuff like that. So I needed 240,000 and a little bit of money to like kickstart the project with a demo and the construction stuff like that, right? Yo, so it's three days before the close of escrow, I don't have the 240, right? <laughs> and I was like, dude, it's a good deal. I know it's a good deal. You know what I'm saying? And I go to a meetup, right? I go to this like, you know, Fortune Builders meetup in, in, in OC 
And like, is that with the? This was back in the day. I've heard of that. I've heard of those guys. Randy. Yeah. Randy. uh, Jay Jay Cutler, I think, right? Yeah. Someone else took over now. Okay. uh, Realty National. Um, So I go to the meetup, right? It's like a Thursday night. I go to the meetup. I drive my butt down from LA to uh, Irvine. And the person sitting next to me, these two Korean couple, and there's there's only three Koreans, me and these two other Koreans. Everyone else is (laughs) non-Korean. And we're sitting together. And we're sitting next (laughs) to each other. So a little bit of rapport, right? A little bit of rapport. Easy way in. Yeah. Yeah. And then networking time comes. Like, so what do you do? Yo, no crazy situation. They're in the apparel business. Like, what the heck? You know, like, <laughs> so instant more report, right? Like, oh, yeah, I manufacture this and that. They do this. And then, like, they sold their business. So they have this, like, non-compete for five years. So they can't do apparel no more for five mm. years. Um, and so they're, you know, getting into real estate. And they also were part of Fortune Builders. So we had a lot of report. Korean, same ethnicity, right? Apparel, Fortune Builders. So it's just like... Yes, friends. And I'm like, yo, I got this deal in Culver City. It's off market, do do do, and I'm need, I need two forty. They're like, okay, yeah, we got the money. I'm Dang, like, oh, you got crazy. the money, amazing. So I make an appointment the next day. Hey, meet me at the property. Let's walk through it. Let's go over numbers. Hey, like they like it. I made I made a handshake deal at the property. They wired me the funds the next day, and I closed the escrow on time. That's all within three days. All in three, three days. days so like when people zero. say like, oh man, I don't have the time and this and that. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I think you got to prioritize things, right? Now, would you call that? Uh, what? What? So thi- I, I'm, this is a little bit more newer to me, right? Would you consider that being like a wholesale deal? Or was that more of like a partnership type deal? What, what that, type of deal mm, would you label this as? That was a joint venture. That was a joint a venture. JV? So yeah, JV agreement. Okay. So my company and their company, we joined forces. What is a JV agreement for 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 so those that for those of the people that yeah, maybe don't know joint, what that is? Joint venture agreement is like if I want to um, create a um, you know Baskin Robbins store with you know our friend here, then we might do a joint venture agreement to get into that business, or we might create an LLC, or let's say Armando has a property in Bakersfield and he wants to partner, right? He has his own company. I have my own company. But, you know, we're not currently ready to, like, be on each other's companies yet. So we want to try it out. So we're going to go into a joint venture. Our joint venture is to, it defines the outcome of the joint venture. So in real estate, it would be to buy, renovate, put it on market for a profit, right? That would be the purpose of the joint venture. Mm. And the joint venture would, you know, define who's doing what, who's putting what capital, who's doing what kind of management. So it's a simple piece of document. Usually, I've seen joint ventures like two pages. I've seen joint ventures like ten pages. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, long as you have something in writing, well, that's what matters. It's just a binding contract between multiple parties. It could be more than two people. It could be three people, four people, or it could be two people and two companies, two LLCs, and one person. It it could be any mixture. So, but going back, this property I close on time, right? Wow. I blew Houdini. And this was a complete cosmetic flip. I was gonna ask you, was it a cosmetic? Complete flip? Fa- cosmetic, you know, spent like Culver f- City. Culver City, forty thousand. We didn't change any walls or anything. Just like renovated the bathroom, the kitchens, paint, and landscaping. That was it. So in and out in thirty days, right? <coughs> I put this property on the market, bro. It gets ten offers, right? And it goes like over, over fifty thousand, over a hundred thousand. I'm like, oh my god, it's like some kind of like lottery game. Like I'm like <laughs> freaking high on life. Like my endorphins are popping, right? And I'm like, whoa, 
better than Vegas, right? <laughs> Hundreds <laughs> of thousands. Like, wow, what, what a what a thrill, right? <laughs> and dude, that property, I end up making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars profit from start. I bought the property, renovated, sold it, closed escrow, escrow, got the money in ninety days. Wow. Make two hundred forty thousand dollars, right? What one question? That was your first deal. That was the second deal. That's that was the second deal. That was, that was the third property I bought, but that was the second property I sold. On the capital investor, the, the Korean family, how does how does that break out? How, like, how do you handle that transaction for someone who's possibly thinking about like, I have capital, I want to be able to you know save and uh, deploy it into real estate. How does it work out with the payout? Because yeah. we hear your profit, yeah. but what about the profit? For it them? was perfect for them because they wanted to get into the you know the business. They wanted to have someone that had a little bit more experience than them, so that was a win for them. Mm. They want to have uh something under their um their credibility so you know we did a joint venture and we both went on title oh so nice. they they wanted to have that credibility right on their track That's good record. for the lender as well right? and so we negotiated a deal i found a deal I, ma I managed the project i had put some of my capital too so i i structured a deal where we did a 70 30 split so i kept 70 percent of the profit they did 30. at the end of the day the payout for them was still like you know a good double digit return mm -hmm. plus they got the experience all that good stuff. Yeah, learn, so it was a win-win. But the reason why this was a gift and a curse because like I got super cocky, right? Like I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm meant to do this. Like, aha, <laughs> Beginner, right? begin, like, beginner's luck, yeah. dude. Beginner's <laughs> luck. But I thought like I was meant to I'm do in. this. It's like it's like that first time playing poker. <laughs> you know, you first you know the first time you play poker, you like yeah, you you go all in, you you win it. And I then you get this. humbled in like two hours. <laughs> someone wipes yeah, you out. Yeah, someone right? wipes you out, bro. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> think about it that way. Like I won this huge jackpot pot and I'm like thinking I'm I'm it, right? That my ego, my cockiness and all that. And maybe it was just me being me, just being positive and driver, you know? Mm -hmm. So I scaled going back to your question. Like where's the Ooh. point in time when I thought like, oh my gosh, like things were a little bit too much is that moment, right? And then, what? Long story short, I ended up having six properties at the same time. Mm -hmm. So imagine this person, me, went from one condo flip to the second flip, and suddenly, within months, I have six properties under my control. Wow! I have millions of dollars of assets, and they're all different in terms of some of them were renovation, just cosmetics. Some of them were reconfiguring the whole interior. Some of them were doing additions. Man, these are complex, right? And why why that was a problem is because like I jumped from here, like from like just the beginner element, like you know, intermediate to like ultra advanced, right? To like pro league mm. without the proper training, without the proper knowledge, without the proper rules, the law, the construction law. Man, uh, man, that that's that was the hardest part. Like I'm putting out like at the time, out. man. I was putting out 16 hours a day, Monday through Sunday for a year and a half. That was the hardest time in my real estate career. Man, that was tough because I didn't have the right contractors. I didn't have the right knowledge and the experience and the leadership to hire the right people, yet alone to inspect their work to say that it was correct. Man, I had this framer, yo. He framed the house wrong. Like the headers and everything was wrong, but I'm I don't know sh sh anything. I don't know anything about framing, right? So it looks good. I see wood and it's holding together. It looks good. All right, cool. All right, all right. You know, pay him. So, pay him. It's so all good. I have I have a question though because a lot of times entrepreneurs hire sales coaches, they hire mentors, they go through boot camps, right? 
correct me if I'm wrong, but you had gone through a mentorship program. Correct. Right? And I'm assuming whether they did or they didn't teach you the right way, we still had the me- we still had the mentorship program, but we were still making these mistakes. Correct. Why? Well, I think um, from my experiences, um, the coaches did help because the problems that I had, I would be able to go to the coaches and then they gave me ideas. Like this framing guy, for example, they're like, okay, hire an inspector. The inspector that inspected your home, ask him to come back and like negotiate a better rate because you don't need a full inspection. I just Mm. need you to to look at what's current. Mm. I don't need a full detailed report. Just tell me what's wrong. And I did that. So because of the coaches, it helped me to navigate through it. But... One thing that I realized that the coaches provide knowledge and expertise in terms of direction, but I have to be the one to make the time and to commit and execute. And time for execution do take time, especially f- hiring the right contractors, vetting them out, putting them to the, you know, the, the stress test, you know, training them out. Mm. That still takes time for me to go hire a new contractor, vet them out, and let's say they pass the sniff test, put something in writing, and for them to start working, yo, as fast as I do that, that's like a 30-day process now yeah, because we're very thorough now. Yeah. But even if they passed all that and they weren't as to our standards, then I got to go fire them. And I got to go replace them. Do it again. And do it again and again until I find that recipe of success. Yeah, It's all about components. You know, you got to have a sales team, right? Have the design team in, constr- in, 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 in real estate flipping. Someone needs to find the deals and analyze it, an acquisition team or acquisition manager, realtors, stuff like that, or you have someone doing it in-house. Um, I have like a designers, you know, they'll design the properties, the architects and stuff like that. And you gotta have the project manager and the contractors underneath them and you gotta have accounting and legal and all of this. Yeah. So, you know, just trying different components to find that right recipe. Now, a- you know? Andy, when you explain all that, it could be a, like, whoa, overwhelming for, for people. For, for someone who's like, dude, I, I've been following Andy for a long time. I love this guy. I know what he eats. You know, I'm a big fan <laughs> of Andy. <laughs> Where could I get started? And how? what are like the first steps that, for example, for you, bro, that, that if you were not knowing what you know now, what would you be doing different yeah. if you were to restart again? I think that question is very subjective to the viewer and whoever's listening to this podcast because like it really just depends on your goals, right? There's no really one right way of investing, right? There's so many different techniques out there and so many different products and asset classes and this and that. So, you know, it just really depends on the person. I think it really depends on if I were to interview you and if, like, I would ask, like, how much time do you have in a week? Okay? Mm -hmm. That's the first question I would ask. Do you have – how much time do you have that you can actually use to, like, commit consistently to – that investment strategy or to make extra money, whatever, mm. whatever that you want, right? Passive income or active income. You want to make another thousand dollars a month. You want to make another, you know, 10 grand. You want to make another hundred grand for my kids, this and whatever that case may be. I would ask you, how much time do you have in a week that you can consistently commit to? And the consistent is very important. Not just do it this week and not the next week. Cause you might as well not even start <laughs> if that's the case. That's I would so suggest good. to do it anyways. Cause it's better to do it, not to do it. Because maybe you have to be the one of those people like me where I have to try to tell myself that I like it or don't like it. How do you know until you really try? So try, take your shot, do it. It doesn't have to be perfect, but if you do like it, you got to be consistent. So how much time do you have? So let's kind of categorize this. Let's say you have five hours a week extra. You could commit five hours. It could be one hour a day or it could be five hours in one day. It doesn't matter. Just five hours a week. If you have five hours a week, I would suggest not to get into 
active managerial real estate investing, like buying properties and renovating them and gutting it out and flipping it. No. Why? Because it takes more than five hours a week to do that at a excellent quality and to get the results you need to. Okay. To flip one property at my level after doing a hundred flips and a little more than a hundred million dollars in transactions for me to actively flip a property now because I have employees and systems and processes, probably it takes me about like 30 minutes a day to manage one project. But that's because I have 15 people on that's my staff. Perfection. That's, that's where you're at systems now. and processes. But let's say I didn't have that. Let me put myself in a situation like I, ha I, I have the knowledge, I have the know-how, I have the resources, but let's say I have to do it all on my own. Probably I think in my opinion to do it at a level that, uh, you know, hit the results, like get the numbers, you know, save money, you know, get multiple bids and boom, boom, boom and all that. I'm probably going to think I'm going to put about minimum two hours a day to up to five hours a day to manage one real estate investment property. And I'm talking about A to Z. Numbers, data entry, accounting, financial reports, budget analysis, risk assessments, going this way, constant looking. I got comps that sold in the area, so I know how to price it. Oh, let's not put that material no more because, like, there's no homes for sale, right? So why am I going to spend more money on material when there's no homes for sale? I don't need to go above and beyond no more. I can save that extra thousand bucks from my own pocket. So I would say about like five hours, you know, is, is like a good number. Um, but like, you know, if, if you if you have limited hours, like I would spend that time to educate yourself in whatever that is you want to do. So if you want to get into real estate investing, spend that five hours to get competent about real estate investing. You know, find a mentor, find a coach, coach get a course, right? Um mm -hmm learn online, whatever the case may be, like get yourself educated. That'll be what I would do. Just having that knowledge. Andy, what about for the person? And, and honestly, I'm speaking to more people that for the viewers that may be thinking, man, I'm more like Pablo, right? I want to be hands off on real estate investing, right? I love real estate. I think it's a great part of my, my portfolio, but I don't have the five hours. I don't have the two hours a day. I have cash. I have, you know, 50, 100, 150, 200 grand laying around that I could put to work. What do you tell those people? Amazing. So um, the reason why I said you want to get educated in real estate, if you want to get to real estate investing, is because if you have capital or if you are looking to invest, then you need to have a skill set to analyze the deal to say it's a good deal, right? So you might have money, but if you don't have the knowledge or the concept to evaluate a good deal from a bad deal, a good apple from a bad apple, how can you even invest, right? So that's why I, I was like, really promoting education and your podcast is educate and elevate. So if we don't educate ourselves, how can we elevate? Nice. Right. So it's all tying in. I, I just said that right that now. Was awesome, uh, uh, no, no script, by the way. That was just, that on was the we didn't pay him to say yeah, that, that. I swear. That was just real. <laughs> that was just real from the heart. Yeah. Just really genuine. Yeah. And you know, if you have capital, let's, I, I know people and I have investors um, in our company, right? Hundreds of thousands, dude. I have one guy who wired me one person, one single man, wired me 1.3 million. This is not a company. This is not a hedge fund. This is not a private equity group. A single man wired me $1.3 million for us to buy a house in Redondo Beach. <laughs> All we did was paint, put it back on market, flipped it, made 250000 in three months. Wow. And he got a heck of a pretty payout on that one, right? So I, w I have people like that. Or I have people that have 50000 you know, they're like, you know, police, police uh, enforcement, law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of healthcare people, right? Yep. Armando, you too, right? That's Where right. are you finding all these people? Man, just the internet, social media, networking, you know, word of mouth, 
referrals, right? Just positive experience, just yeah. over time. Just anyone that wants to get into real estate, they, you really can. And you, let's say you have capital. You have capital to invest, you know, there's a couple things you could do. You know, you could put it into the stocks, which right now we're in. Uh, we're in August. No, we're in August. September now. We're in September. Beginning of September, September. 2023. We're in September 2023. Stocks are down. Mm. A lot of people that I know with 401k, you know, blah blah blah. Like, oh, man, I get, every time I hang out with them, like 30 percent down, 40 percent down. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's unpredictable. You know, it's really unpredictable. It's a variable. Yeah, it's uh, going up and down, and that is the risk. That is the risk. You know, you don't you don't really own it. Like, you got a little share of it. But, you know, other people at the top, they're making all the decisions. And, you know, they're taking their management fees, you know, all these in-depth funds and whatever, you know, you, people put into. There's all these management fees. And all these people are making money before the actual person that's making the money is. Mm. And they take all the risk, right? And, but, hey, I have stocks. I'm not saying it's a bad investment. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm highlighting the ups and downside. Yeah, right? I have stocks, you know, Netflix and Amazon and so Tesla that did well. So we have a lot of investors that watch this podcast, mm. right? Beginning investors, mm. first generation investors, right? We've talked about the goods and bads of stocks. We've good. talked about the goods of real estate, real estate investing. What's the ugly side? Well, before I say the ugly side, I think the good thing about real estate investing is there's two ways of investing into real estate. Let's say you want to be passive, hands-off. You want to invest into a company like me where we have a full-on system and staff and we have a system and you know we get great deals yeah. and great margins. And, and you got to think to yourself, how long will it take you to get to that point? How much learning experiences are you going to have to have? How many fails are you going to have to have wins? So why not just bet on the winning horse that you know they're going to win? Right. So if you're thinking like that, there's two ways to invest, right? You can invest as a debt. So meaning you're the lender, I'm the borrower, and I owe you. It's a loan. And I owe you a fixed rate of return. A fixed rate of return. And the benefit of that is I'm obligated to pay you that fixed rate of return. Usually we're doing double digit returns per year. Right. Wow. Mm. Twelve even months, even in this double, market, even in today's market, wow. beating the market, Intr you know, beating the stock market, you know, CDs that's are like fire. four percent, yeah. but we're doing double digit returns, you know, because there has to be an upside. And the cool thing about that is like you're gonna get that regardless, right? The stocks is always ups and down. We don't know; it's unpredictable. The second way of investing into real estate is as an equity investor. So that means you're part. So if there's a piece of pie, right? you're going to own a sliver of that pie depending on your investment amount, okay? To make it as simple as possible. Mm. So equity shares. Equity share. Shares. You own a piece of the pie. Your owner. You're a silent partner. You're, you, you know, there's no decision-making and stuff like that, right? You know, we're going to let the, let the pros do that, right? The experienced people do that. You, you get weekly, you get regular updates of how the project's going and you're informed, right? Because you're a, a partner, you're a limited partner, a silent partner. So, you know, that's that's a, that's another benefit to that is like you get to learn a little bit more than just the the lender, just the debt investor, right? So, I get a lot of people that want to they make good income, they don't have the time, family work, usually the case, you know, significant other, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Your life is already too busy, right? That's it. Um so they want to park money and they're like, "Okay, I want to park money and learn in the process as I go and make interest or or, or get an equity stake." Amazing. The best way I can give you an example and one last in analogy about this topic is like as a lender, as a debt investor, you're the bank, I'm the borrower. Simple as that. And there's a paperwork, I owe you, okay? 
as an equity investor, you're on the boat with us going to the promised land. You are a passenger on the boat. My team and I are running the boat. The captain, the crew, the first mate, boom, boom, boom. We're getting to promised land. The cool thing, the ups and downside of the equity investor is that we, there's a chance that we can get to promised land faster and better. And the promised land is like even better than we thought. Oh my God, there's like fruits, there's veggies, there's livestock, there's a resort. Oh, we didn't think that, but amazing. They came with a free resort. From what I'm, there could I'm be an upside. I'm picturing the equity, you have a potential for a higher return. Yeah. Versus the fixed rate. So you're in it with us. Fixed. The result that we generate, you're going to benefit from that. But also, if the voyage takes longer, whatever, for whatever unforeseeable thing that is out of our control, right? Mm -hmm. Then there is that you can make a little less. So, you know, whoa, I don't know what people might think saying, listening to this, but there's always a risk. Driving down the street, there's a risk. There's always a risk. I could yeah. get in a car accident. I almost got in a car accident, you know? Went to the wrong address. You know, there's always a risk mm -hmm. everywhere, anywhere. Like, I mean, I can't, who knows? But if we always live in life of fear and uncertainty, you're always going to get the same results. Well, right? to change, I mean, what's that famous quote, right? To change what you're getting, you got to change what you're doing. Exactly. And, I, and I think to overview this, like we, we do, we do have, you know, our audience mainly is like, I have, I'm a nurse. So I got a lot of healthcare professionals. You know, we work with a lot of like all kinds of people <sighs> and a lot of individuals, you know, they're very busy. They got families, they got careers. So you mentioning the time that you need to allocate to real estate investment is a lot. So a lot of people was like, man, I always want to get into real estate. I, I probably own a home, but I would love to get more into it. I think what you overviewed are two uh, options where you could be a part of real estate investment. You could be a real estate investor and not have to be and learn from a pro and not be able to, you know, have to pick up the hammer and, and let go of your job or lose time with your kids, but you could still benefit from the, a lot of the benefits that come with real estate yeah. investment. I think it all depends on the person, you know, yeah. um, if you have a good career, you have a good job and you're not really like the type of person to like start new things and like, you know, take on risks in a sense, you know, investing into a, a real estate company like ours or, you know, like educate and elevate, like, you know, all these like financial services and stuff like that. Like that's where to, that's where people need to get plugged in. Like I know people, they have life insurance and I'm not promoting anything. I'm just sharing my experiences. Okay. That's it. I'm not promoting anything. And I know people, they have life insurance policies and then like they, you know, pay it for a year or two and then like they borrow from it and then life insurance like makes more mm -hmm. returns and like they'll reinvest that into our projects and then like they're making money on the upside of the life insurance and they're making money on the upside of our real estate portfolio too. It's like double, double, double income or double returns. Yeah, right? it's, it's what we call it is arbitrage. There you go. Right, arbitrage. so it's kind of like, you know how we could buy a property, it appreciates, you could cash out refinance. Essentially, the you could do the same thing with your life insurance. You could cash out refinance your life insurance. I had an investor about two or three months ago that parked a quarter of a million dollars into a whole life policy, mm. right? And we have all types of insurance. I'm not promoting a specific type of insurance, but this specific investor wanted this concept called infinite banking. Mm. 30 days later, he took out 200 grand, invested it into real estate, at the same time, the money was still growing inside of his policy as if he never took it out. Yes. And he still had the living benefits and he still had a death benefit that protected his other investors in case anything happened to him. Well, he was earning money on the flip. Imagine what a $200,000 flip is going to get him a return on. Yeah. At the same time, he was still getting a 5 6% return inside of his life insurance policy. 
Now he's making money in two places at one time. He closes a flip. He put the money back in there. And now when the other opportunity came up, you take it out. He arbitraged and you leverage. What the wealthy understand, especially investors, you guys understand leverage. That's what I love about real estate investors, real estate professionals in general. We understand leverage. Yeah. I mean, it's a great yeah. point to, right. I mean, people hear this term, right? Infinite banking. That's in literally what Pablo just said was infinite banking. You see the investor was, you know, leveraging the life insurance, growing money there and then growing money in the flip. That's growing money two ways. Why wouldn't, why that's a, who wouldn't want to grow money? Two and ways? not, and not to mention you know? a hard money loan. What's a hard money lender going to charge you right now? I'm getting 10.5, 10, 10, 12%, 12%, right? When you borrow from your life insurance policy, you're borrowing at 4%. I don't know about you. Amazing. Amazing. I don't know about you, but I would rather borrow up four than 10. That's one third. That's almost one third. Yep. Now you're creating more wealth, right? It's just you're a strategy. Money. It's um, just you're a strategy. Money, you're leaving more money in your pocket. And I think there's also tax benefits, right? Because I think 100%. there's tax uh, def advantages, or advantages yeah. from having life insurance policies. All the money that goes in there mm -hmm. is you can write it off as a tax, right? Yeah. On your on your schedule or whatever you're filing it as and you understand um, and it, like you said well you understand you you know you're a real estate investor yourself and it speaks volume to see what people are doing that we we strive to be like you see many times people come in and they you know they, they hear these concepts but to see it actually playing in action of different opportunities different ways that you could leverage yeah. your money and then and the wealthy people really figured that out right uh, um i was like the wealthy people that i know they have life insurance policies for their kids at a young age and then just builds up the premium and you could borrow money from it. And then the life insurance companies, like, they, they kind of don't really care if you do, don't pay, you do, you buy. Because, like, there's a policy on it anyways. There's like, yeah. it's like a collateral. It's mm -hmm. collateralized. So it's different. They're not, like, checking your credit. Are, are they? I don't know. No I credit check. But I, no I, credit check. Yeah. They, don't, they don't do any of that. Like, no, and the, and the funny thing about that, everything. too, especially during this time, we were just talking about, you know, uh, I was talking about it with, with one of my clients earlier. The funny thing about life insurance as well, again, I'm not promoting this. I'm just saying benefits of it, bankruptcies, divorces, nothing could tap into this. And divorce during during, like during times like this, again, I'm not here promoting divorces, right? I, I want marriages to stay together. But suddenly, but, I, but suddenly during these times, but the society we live in is it, promoting divorce. Unfortunately, There's a lot of separation. And unfortunately, and recession male, coming out. right? And with the recession, I mean, people start, we possibly could start to see bankruptcies. What's the biggest thing that's going on in the U.S. economy right now? It's 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 the debt. We're in a massive debt problem. Trillions of dollars. We're in thirty-two trillion dollars of debt. We're in the largest wealth transfer in U.S. history. Seventy-three trillion dollars is being passed down. Right. A lot of economic concerns that are going on right now, a big solution for a lot of baby boomers, for a lot of millennials is, hey, there's going to be a tax problem soon. How can we avoid this? Life insurance, 1031 exchanges, right? These, these could be some strategies that as real estate investors or as people may be listening to this, you know, you want to start diversifying your portfolios. Life insurance may yeah. be an option. Yeah. And then just in like, just kind of thinking, threading off that in the next in my opinion, in the next like five to ten years, I think the whole society is going to change tremendously. Mm. Like you know, you're talking about debt, and you were talking about reformation of policies. This is what we're really, I think, what's happening. There's so much problem, so much debt worldwide. There's worldwide problems, and there's going to be some sort of reformation of policies, and it's literally going to be where like conspiracy wise, like we're going to be controlled microchip whatever 
cell phones are already the step way. Bro, to that's that. in the Bible. Yo, you know, you know the other day, like my, my phone was like low, low on battery, right? Yeah. Like my phone was low on battery. Dude, tell me this, right? I put it on airplane mode, but the GPS still works. Like why, why, why is that? It's on airplane mode. What? That means I shouldn't be getting signal, but I literally, I had to use it, right? Because I had to see my battery. I had to get to the place where I had to get to. And I, I wasn't, I was just trying it, but it's like the whole Google Maps works fine as if like I had service. So it's already happening. Like the phones, the credit cards, it's cashless now. It's more digital, right? Yeah. It's more convenient. It's all, in the next five, 10 years, it will be very interesting to see all the reformation. But the point is that you want to make as much earn, make or take whatever you want to use to make as much money as you can now. You're active. Because, because getting life insurance, whatever, this and that, protecting your assets, investing, have money work for you. You guys all already know how to do that. The problem is, why aren't you taking action? Mm. I could ask anybody that's an adult on how to be successful, and I guarantee you everyone will give me different answers, but they're all true. But the problem is not the answer. The problem is, is taking action. There's too much distractions in today's world, right? Social media, Instagram, this and that, news, boom, 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 all that. And we're all distracted on the what's most important thing is protecting yourself and your family by making more money because that's going to give you opportunities. When changes happen, when things go upside down, money will help you. Money will help you. And thinking now today, and I said, I said earlier, the time is now. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow becomes tomorrow. Yeah. And then tomorrow becomes next week, one month, one year. And you never do it. The three, enemies, it. the three enemies to building wealth, inflation, taxation, and procrastination. I just, saw, I just saw a report. I think it said like Americans have like, average Americans have $1,000 in savings right now. It was crazy. Like the credit card debts are, are wild as well. I think I think that's a great way for us to 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 basically wrap this all up, man. The fact that you got to take execution on what you're saying. I think, bro, I think you, just hearing you speak, the execution, the testimonial where, where by working by working hard, taking responsibility for your own actions, that's going to lead us to a better life, ultimately, where we, we, we don't have control of what's going to happen in the future, but we do have control of what we can control. Yeah. I mean, we can keep going on this for sure. I think we're going to have to have Andy on for another episode. Bro, for sure, <laughs> man. It was a pleasure, was man. amazing. Pleasure, you know, connecting with you. I took a bunch of nuggets as well. How can people get in contact with you or, you know, for sure. reach out to, I know you have, you know, your, your seminars coming up, workshops, yeah. meetups all the time. Yeah, yeah. What's the best way? Yeah, best way is uh, Instagram. Uh, my handle is called Ready Cash Offer. Um, you find me there. And then I also have meetups on Wednesday. Oh, sorry, excuse me, on Thursdays, um, real estate investing. So if anyone wants to come to that, you can find it on Instagram. And then November, I'm going to be having that two-day workshop about real estate investing. So if you want to get into that. But this guy, guys, it was a pleasure. I just really felt compelled to just like pour my heart out here. Thank you. Thank you yeah, for providing the platform. I really believe in what you guys are doing here. Respect. Thank, Thank you, man. And it, how can we provide value to you, bro? Man, just keep doing what you guys do. I mean, provide education and value for the people out there, right? To have more opportunities, more options to get into asset protection, financial wealth. You know, it's all about that. You know, if, if we you keep doing the same thing, you're not, you're not going to get different results, right? Yeah. Um, and yes, you're going to learn and you're going to have to take a chance. But, you know, I trust you guys. I know you guys personally and I trust you guys. And you have some amazing successful clients. I've heard stories from and 
you know, just just continue. Just an idea too, bro. I mean, maybe we do an event together or something. That's what. Uh, maybe we do an event. Yeah. Creating. I can already see it. Like creating that generational, yeah. creating generational wealth from real estate and protecting your legacy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. From single family to multifamily and protecting the protecting the asset. Yeah, you guys should come speak at my uh, workshop event in November. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Perfect, bro. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll light it up. Yeah, we'll, light it up. we'll, we'll, we'll promote it. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll put the logo on there. And then yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. Through. Yeah, let's do it. Andy, bro, thank you so much. It's Thanks, been a pleasure. Guys. guys, if you found value in this episode, look, we don't charge anything. All we ask is that you share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that's trying to build generational wealth, right? It's all about educating and elevating together. If you haven't liked this video, like it right now. Subscribe to the channel. We finally hit our subscriber goal. Now we have a new subscriber goal, we so we're trying to get now. those subs up. What is it? What's the new, uh, the goal? new The new goal is 200. Let's go! The new the new goal is yeah. year. So it's basically 30 subs a month. That's one a day. We can do that. That's, do that. That's easy. Dude, yeah. People that are That's following easy. me, help them out. Let's all help them get to that 200 plus. Man, I appreciate that. Yeah, you heard bro, it. bro. This is one of my favorites for sure, yeah, man. For so sure. thank you, Andy, for being here, bro. Thanks, guys.